This season is sponsored by Gorillas, the sexy grocery delivery app revolutionizing online shopping. Fresh food delivered to your door in 10 minutes, catering to all your food loving needs. Sign me up. Operating in major cities in the UK and globally, Gorillas supports small businesses as well as local producers to bring your favourite brands to your door. And just to get your juices flowing, they are offering all listeners £10 off your first order when you spend £20. Download the Gorillas app and use the code SEXY10 at checkout. Hi, and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favourite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by singing and screenwriting sensation, Remy Nicole. Back in the early 2000s, upon releasing her best-selling track, Go Mr. Sunshine, and her album, My Conscience and I, she toured with Amy Winehouse and performed at festivals all over the world, namely Glastonbury and Latitude. Aside from these musical accomplishments, she also graduated from acting school and has appeared in several TV shows, as well as recently developing a TV series called Lit by the Moon. Fast forward a few years and she's back in London after a 10-year stint in LA. She's a mother of two and has launched The Happiness Collective, a happy prints and lifestyle brand. She's returned full of fire and creativity and it's a pleasure to have her on today. Welcome Remy to Crazy Sexy Food. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not bad. Um, It's a joy to have you in my home. Thank Thank you you very much for coming. Joy to be here. Um, First and foremost... Did you have breakfast this morning? No. Actually, I had a slice of toast. Okay. Yeah. What do you have on it? Uh, butter and marmalade. Oh, nice. Oh, I love a good marmalade. Orange. Yes. Yeah. With all like Classic. the bits in it. I take the bits out. Oh, do you? Yeah, gross. Too bitter? No, I just don't, like, just don't like... I've con- got a texture issue. Right, okay. I also feel slightly embarrassed. Uh, Remy arrived. She very kindly asked for a cup of tea with um, some milk, which I did. Um, however, the tea was not strong enough because Hannah does not know how to make a builder's tea. So I, I do feel like I failed a little bit, but I think we're going to get off onto a better start in a minute. <laughs> but um, as I said uh, in the intro, you've recently come back to the UK after 10 years in LA. Yeah. Why? Um, mainly because the pandemic for us really kind of revealed a lot of what LA was that we probably knew but didn't have to like look that close up and with everything that happened in the last year you know well first of all I had a baby congratulations um, thank you the pandemic like the whole BLM thing it was quite a scary place to be and like kind of being that far away from family and friends um excuse me and then we realized our four-year-old was starting school and it's just not like logistically a good place to be with two kids financially with two kids that are going to grow up black with um, a lot of the things there was a massive homeless crisis we had to like step over people to go to the park then the park got shut down because it got overrun by homeless people and they found like something like five thirty tons 
30,000 tons of waste, human waste or something crazy like that. Where was this in LA? East LA. Wow. Um, so we were just like, maybe it is time to <laughs> come back to London. Not that it's much better here no, in terms well, of human yeah, waste. I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah. I think we've got, we also don't have any petrol either. But, but anyway, yeah. that's another conversation. But we've got friends and family. <laughs> exactly. So how was the move? I mean, during a pandemic, you've got two kids. You know, that's, it's a lot. Um, well, we, yeah, the pandemic had died down because we were actually going back and forth for a bit anyway because of work and stuff um, when we could. And the pe- like, it wasn't at the deepest part of the pandemic. But in that deep part, we actually moved to Mexico for six months on our way back to London. Amazing. Um, because LA was just too expensive. And um, we had a rental and we were like, it's time to get out. Uh, we put all of our stuff in storage to subsequently be shipped. And yeah, then we just went to Mexico. Oh my God, where were you in Mexico? Not allowed to say the exact part because oh. it's a very well-kept secret. Oh, um, okay. I'm going to have to get that out of you after recording because I love Mexico. But I will tell you, it is near Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I actually, weirdly, I know about Puerto Vallarta because my auntie's moving there. No way. Of all places. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love okay. Mexico. Yeah, me too. What, oh my God, the food. Okay, so this is interesting. Okay. I love Mexican food. Yeah. But it's a bit like, I've noticed, like, Japanese food. I like American Japanese food, not Japanese Japanese food. Yeah. And I like American Mexican food. That's interesting. Not necessarily Mexican food, because when we were in Mexico, there was amazing food, don't get me wrong, but not in our part, like, in... Mexico City or Guadalajara or any of those places, the food's like next level because mm. it's a little bit more, I don't know what the word is. Well, it's just, you kind of probably have more footfall of like, what, like tourism, there's probably more money. Yeah. Especially in like Mexico City, you've got like serious restaurants. You've actually serious. got some like serious chefs working over there. Uh, but it's more creative maybe yeah. is the word. This place is a beach town. There are a lot of tourists. So there were places that were literally like burger you know, right. and stuff okay. like that. And th- uh, there was two good restaurants and they were very good, but they weren't specifically Mexican. There was one place that I ate almost every day, um, which I absolutely loved. And they had a really amazing take on chilaquiles. Oh, wow. That I really want to okay. get the recipe for because nice. I missed that. That was like the best thing I ate. But <sighs> yeah. God. I <laughs> but honestly... like the actual Mexican food, like if I went to my neighbor's house... I mean, hoping they would never listen to this <laughs> podcast. I'm pretty sure they, they would. And can't won't. understand English anyway. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, yeah. But like, that was quite plain. Plain? Yeah, because it's like, well, there's chili and stuff. But I don't know, like, there was like a flavor. It wasn't flavorsome, I wouldn't say. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Gosh. I don't know if it was just her or... Yeah. Now I feel terrible. Because no, now now I kind of like, she's she going to hate this if she does listen, but I kind of sort of in a weird way wish it was her in the sense that like, if I ever wanted to like go to Mexico to live, I, I'm hoping that it sort of, the food experience might be. Well, you got to think of it like the staple is like rice yeah. and beans, frijoles. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I went into the supermarket when I first went, I was like, right, I want to make some rice and beans. Like, how do I make it? And I'm like, should I use this, this and that? No, it's like a shallot or like, an onion if that and the beans wow okay it's 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 yeah. like i think it's like you know um there's a history isn't there with yeah, like yeah, how yeah. food from like poor absolutely. countries is, yeah becomes like this yeah yeah absolutely yeah. 
also just touching on what you said when you were describing Mexican food in Mexico, like proper authentic. Um, it's a bit like Chinese food. You go to China, not that I've been, but it's definitely not the Chinese food you're getting down the road in no, London. That's or for sure. India. Or exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Okay, I want to take it back a little bit. We're going right. to take it back to your childhood. Oh. You were born and raised in North London. Yep. Uh, proper Londoner. Uh, I want to know what life was like growing up. What were you eating? Who cooked? Did food play, you know, an important part in your life? Uh, so it was just me and my mum growing up, but my mum's got lots of sisters and brothers, so it was always round their houses eating. And I remember like one of her sisters always used to do like big meals and like we'd go there for Christmas and stuff like that. And I always liked her cooking. Um, I'm, I was quite fussy. I've like grown out of it, but I, I never used to eat fish. I didn't like certain things. Um, and so I don't remember food being like, like I loved pizza, obviously, kid. And I loved like spaghetti bolognese, but food was like never like a passion for me until I got older. Okay. And so talk to me about some of the dishes that your auntie would make. Well, we had like half our families at like Caribbean. So she would make rice and peas, things like jerk chicken, curry goat, stuff like that, which I would never have eaten back then. Oh, so you wouldn't have eaten that? No, because I didn't like spice oh and gosh. the thought of okay. goat yeah. was disgusting. But as I got older, I started to get into it. Aki and saltfish, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Didn't like it. I actually <laughs> still don't like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love Aki and saltfish. I'd always, they always said to me, you've got an English tongue because I didn't <laughs> like any of that stuff. Um, but my grandmother was Austrian So her side of town was much better because it was was literally like schnitzels, Vienna's, like, you know, stuff like that, hot dogs. And I love that. And like the, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember, like cucumber in like a dressing. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't Um, remember what it's called. Well, they're kind of like pickles or so, but I know what you're talking about. She always used to make that. So I love that side of thing. But as I've got older, I love all of the Caribbean food now. So do you like spicy food now? Yeah. Not like really spicy, okay. but I like a bit of a... Yeah, like, a bit of a kick. bit of a kick, yeah. And then just back to your Austrian I graduated side. from <laughs> like lemon and herb at Nando's <laughs> to medium. Okay, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. We're getting somewhere. I mean, you're talking to someone who's a recovering chili sauce addict. Oh, really? Um, I, I was known as the girl that would carry Tabasco in her bag back in the day oh. until I started nearly perforating my stomach lining, <laughs> at which point the doctor was like, enough. But as you can see, I've got I've got some of my chili sauces lined out. I had to take them out of the cupboard because um, I hadn't used them in a while. So okay. I'm just seeing which ones are still nice, like alive. <laughs> but just back to your Austrian side because your your mother's also Jewish yeah so did you ever eat any Jewish food growing up well I went to a Jewish school so my mum didn't cook it but I'd go around to my friends for Friday night dinners and chicken soup is still like my ultimate so I'll make that all the time and my kids love it too so do you make all the matzo balls and everything yeah how do you make your matzo balls um, it's really clever. You just get a packet from Waitrose <laughs> and you pop it She gets it in. the matzo meal. That's the <laughs> yeah. only way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure there's not another way. I don't no, think you can is... make them from no, scratch. So, no, some people do. No, you can't. I think really? you can only make it from Waitrose. <laughs> <laughs> she's just, she's standing by that. Um, and sort of back to this sort of like, so you go to this Jewish school. What was that experience like? Well, at the time, I guess... I always knew that I was different 
because no one looked like me. There were a couple of other families that were brown. Um, and it was, I remember my first day, I was like lining up and there was whispers like, oh my God, this black girl. Um, and I had to answer, how are you Jewish? Probably 80 times a week. Yeah. So that was a bit rough. But then at the time, I guess I didn't really realise it was rough. It's quite interesting what all this stuff has brought up recently, how it's made me look back and reflect on things because I didn't... I, I, I realised, obviously, it was in me somewhere, but there was no outlet for it and there was no, like, somebody saying, oh, well, that's not good. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so there was a bit of that. Um, but I made a lot of good friends. I've got... Some of my best friends are still from school and it was fun to be honest yeah I mean I have to say that I actually because my dad's Jewish so technically I'm not in this country I'm actually not even regarded Jewish at all but I, d I just say that I'm half Jewish and um it's some what I love about it as a religion again I'm not religious but it is that sort of idea of community and family and so that's why I ask okay so they were asking you those questions you know how can you be Jewish I assume after a while, there was nothing too sinister, I hope, from that? Or was it just the questions all the time? Well, you know, they, those questions are probably from more straight-laced kids yeah. with straight-laced parents. Mm. My best friends probably did ask me, and then never again. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, that's the thing about all these things. You know, Judaism is a very amazing religion, and I'm proud to have that heritage, it's like very, you're right, it's like a family, everyone's close, but I don't like families that exclude other people. Absolutely. And they are quite exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, know, I know what you, you mean. There's sort of like a bit of, bit of either side, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Which has been really difficult for me during this um, Black Lives Matter I can imagine. stuff, because then there was the, um, you know, Jewish hate, anti-Semitism, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm not here for any of it. Of course. But it was, I could see a split and a divide with my black friends, my Jewish friends, my white friends, you know, you could see it. Yeah. And it was a bit shit, really. Yeah, no, it's been um, a very eye-opening year. Fast forwarding a bit, um, we're sort of going back into your adult life now. Was music always what you wanted to do? Or was it the acting? Or Because you were at acting school. Yeah. Um, well, I... I'd been to quite a few drama schools. I'd done it at college. I'd been to a kids' theatre company first, and then I went to drama school for uni. So I guess acting was what I wanted to do. But then when I got the music opportunity, because I liked music also, I was always, like, DJing. Like, back in the day, I had, like, decks and used to, like, MC. Oh, my God, I love it! <laughs> um, <laughs> terribly. Uh, so, like, I've always loved music. But then, like, when I got the music opportunity... It seemed like it had to be one or the other. And I was put in a predicament at a very young age where it was like, it has to be one or the other. And I, I didn't want to make that choice, but I was kind of forced into that choice. And that kind of shut down the acting. Um, and then I never really got back into it, which is sad. I do miss it. And it is still a passion of mine, um, which is why I'm kind of segueing now into... Um, like I've developed this TV show and I'm doing some directing as well. Which we're going to come to in a bit. But just sort of focusing a bit on the music industry as a whole. I mean, as I said, you know, you had some really uh, sort of well-renowned well um, records. 
What was your experience like in the music industry? Um, it was it was a bit nuts, yeah. to be honest. Um, you know, you get this deal and you're young, you don't really know what's going on. How old were you? 22 or something. Oh, yeah, young. Um, you don't really know what's going on. You're getting all this money thrown at you. Or This this was the last of the big deals yeah. when, I, when I was doing it. Um, and you're putting in all, all these places. I don't know if I was ready at that time, to be honest. I don't know how I, like, looking back again, I don't, I wasn't that confident in myself as an artist. And there was quite a lot of politics around it. Um, and one of the biggest thing, again, um, was that I was a black girl singing, you know, white music. How do you say that again? Because obviously we're on a podcast. Oh, um, like sort of commas, yeah. sort of like inverted commas. Yeah, exactly. White music. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think um, it's kind of been revealed later that that was a big reason why I didn't get as much exposure because people thought, people in the industry thought it wouldn't be understood wow. outside the industry, like by, you know, the audience. So that put a massive knock on my confidence musically where I wasn't already, you know, I was already like, why is everyone like throwing money at me? And, you know, that put another kind of knock on, on, on effect. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I might be, I'm, I'm a bit naive here when it comes to sort of the beginning part of the music industry when you do get signed as an artist. So Obviously, you had a talent, right? That was that. You, you had a great voice. You had a great look about you. So did you, did someone approach you? Did someone sort of see you singing somewhere? Or did you go to a company and be like, you know, I, I, I'm a singer and I'd like, I'd like to be, what's it called, represented or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm trying to get at is you're saying, in, in your words, in inverted commas, you were singing and producing white music yeah. as a black woman. Were they telling you? that you should be what? Singing what? R&B and hip hop? Or like, what what, what, no, like, so the what people, were they wanting? The people that I was working with in my circle, like my management, the producers, they were loving what I was doing. They obviously yeah. thought it was good enough to work with me, to represent me, whatever, yeah. whatever. It happened because I was very good friends at the time with um, Reggie Yates. <laughs> and Reggie was doing a, um, some sort of, like a music thing. And he was doing some rapping. It was really good. And he asked me to come and sing on it. So I went to the studio with him and I met Fraser T. Smith, who now does everyone. He's an amazing producer. Um, and then in the same studio was this guy called Johnny Douglas, who ended up producing my first album. And that's how it came about. So they were all like on it. They were all like, yeah. this is great. I think it's when it went out into the world is where that became an issue. And it, yeah, I think about it like now, if that had happened, it just... Well, it just wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't happen. But then everyone was just like, okay, it is what it is, yeah. you know? But it wouldn't happen now. So do you feel like we've got to a point now where things are a lot more open and accepted? Or do you feel like things still need to change? Of course, there's going to be room yeah. for change, like, continuously. But, yeah, there's definitely things... I don't think we're ever going to go back to the place that we were... Um, there's definitely a progression, but it's still progressing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what was it like being on tour with Amy? Fun. Yeah. yeah. When I was doing a bit of my research um, about you, <laughs> um, I came across an amazing video of the two of you um, just sort of like singing ad lib in a hotel 
in Saint foyer Lucia. in St. Lucia. Yeah. There is something about people who can just get on a piano in a foyer of a hotel and just like reel off a song just like that. It's like huge talent for me. I do love a foyer piano singer <laughs> myself, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, I once tried to play chopsticks on a, on a piano in a Rome airport, but that didn't go down very well. Um, it's, no, it's honestly a good skill to have, <laughs> and it's funny you said that, because I am actually thinking of uh, getting some piano lessons <gasps> for that very reason. Oh my god! I'm not even Please joking. do it because there's always wicked. a piano. There's and always everyone a piano. loves to sing yeah, along. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love so it. I, need I love to, it. Like, get better. Whilst you were on the road and you were performing at all these festivals, what was your diet like? <laughs> She's looking away. She's I'm like, sure there was no cheating. diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you. No crisps. Yeah. Probably yeah. chips. Yeah, that's probably the most nutritious vegetable you were getting was a potato. Yeah. And nowadays, what's your relationship with like with food? I'm obsessed. Like, I have become. I'm a bit embarrassing to be honest. Like, I'm a like I'm a food snob now, and it's Good. like it's That's okay. Never apologize. Yeah, but like you know, my mum will be like, "Oh, let's go to lunch," and I'll take her to some like fancy place. She'll be like, eighteen pounds for uh- this. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, but mum, it's like organic. You know, I'm like, I mean, she doesn't know who you she's are anymore. Like, what? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I love, like, I don't mind paying for food if it's good. Yeah. It, my worst thing is when you go to a restaurant and it's expensive, A, you're not full, and B, you haven't enjoyed it. Couldn't agree more. Um, but now, yeah, absolutely love food. And what is sort of a day in the life of food for you? What does it look like? Breakfast is a tricky one for me because I don't love a lot of breakfasts. I'm not a big cereal fan. The only cereal I can and will eat is crunchy nut cornflakes. Not great. Old school. Um, (laughs) Toast, obviously. Um, uh, So I did an Ayurvedic diet like about four years ago or something like that. And that makes you eat like rice and chicken and stuff in the morning. Ah. Curries, things like that. I love that. Yeah. But it's just not sustainable. Mm. But that was like the best for me. I'd love to eat that kind of stuff for breakfast. Um, And then lunch is we'll either go out for lunch or I'll make like a salad or something like that. Um, And then dinners is where I put all my effort. (laughs) And what are some of your specialities at home? Well, we try not to eat too much meat at home. So it's like a treat. So we eat a lot of curries. We eat a lot of like veggie noodle kind of things pastas if we do like i'll do meatballs but i'll do them with like plant balls or something like that um we do what else do we every friday is pizza night yay so every friday we have pizza from our local pub that also has a pizza oven but we are getting our own pizza oven soon (gasps) see i really want one i think i might get one for next summer uni yes yeah they're so cool yes and they're actually like really little like tiny little dinky things and i love them we used it in mexico it was amazing was it wicked yeah yeah i think i might get one so aside from obviously your musical career i did mention that um you are in the process of developing a show called Mm -hmm. lit by the moon so are you are you writing this? Are you are you creating the whole thing? So this started. Um, I wrote a song called "Lit by the Moon." So a couple of years ago, I was going to release an EP, um, and then when I 
just before I was going to release it, I decided I wanted to do a series of short films with each song. This was like quite a few years ago. And then Beyonce did it. Um, and then it's like, well, <laughs> not even going to compete with that, especially having not released music for like yeah. 10 years. Um, she always gets in there, doesn't she? I, know. I think well. she probably read my uh, I messages. think she did, yeah. 100%. Um, but yeah, so the that we did the first, um, the first one was Lit by the Moon, so we did the first short. And then, you know, life got in the way and it was hard to pick up and I had the kid and everything, my first kid. And then when I signed with my new management, I showed them this and they were like, what the hell have you been doing sitting on this? And we developed it into a TV show. So I wrote all the episodes, like the synopsises, and it's heavily music influenced. So there's like a playlist that went with the pitch and like just then we got a writer in to develop the characters and pull everything together. So, And can you give us a bit of a sort of a short summary synopsis of what it's all about? Um, well, it started with um, my experience personally in the music industry, being a woman, um, a lot of the Me Too stuff mm-hmm. was quite interesting to me because where I didn't get heavily Me Tooed, there was a lot of Me Too going on. And again, it was like that whole racism thing, it was kind of just brushed over. Mm. So I wanted to like make something that was like a different side to it, like a really... I've never been accused of holding back the truth and a lot of my friends and family will say I'm too honest. So I was like, fuck it, let me be too honest in a TV treatment. And so the the girl is raw okay. and um, it, everything like kind of revolved around her. But then when we took it to some TV companies and stuff like that, they were like, this would be really interested really interesting if it was about a group of women all in different Mm. creative fields so it's now kind of like girls meet sex in the city but instead of them all being rich white girls they're different kind of girls they're not all rich they're and it's their real struggles they don't have trust funds it's like oh my god this sounds so refreshing as in like to be able to hear about something like that that's going to be developed yeah so we need something like this yeah and it's just like I think women, you know, we can always say, oh, it's been hard for women, whatever. But you hear these stories, but you don't see these stories being played out as often. Mm. Um, And I think, like, there's a a male character in it, one of the women's husbands. And it's really interesting with him because he's the kind of guy that thinks he's a great husband, thinks he's a great person, like, really supportive of his wife's endeavours until she actually makes it. And then it's not that he's... Not it's not that he's a horrible guy, but it's like that patriarchal, like kind of that thing that's so like inside him mm. that he has to battle. Like, why is this annoying him? Why wow. does he have an issue with this? Um, so I want to look at it from all sides of the coin because there are good men out there. You know, we're not trying to be on a mm. man hate mm-hmm. vibe, um, but even those good men when they're, you know, faced with a woman's success, have to kind of question themselves. Oof. This is so <laughs> what we need. Yeah. When When is this going to be made? Soon, <laughs> I hope. Me too. That is wicked. I love that. The other thing that you're working on is the Happiness Collective, which mm-hmm. is sort of like a lifestyle brand. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we were like obviously the pandemic was horrible for everyone um and everyone's stuck inside as you know like home 
like decoration renovations gone yeah. crazy <laughs> and a lot of our friends were calling us and my husband's a photographer so they were calling and saying like do you have any prints that you know because I'm just sat looking at this plain wall or whatever um and so he was like of course like you know that was something we could do to help people um and so like say like one friend was like remember when we were in Mallorca that time blah 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 so he'd go through and he'd find this amazing picture of Mallorca send it you know and then we realized hold on a second he's got so many pictures from our travels because we've been lucky enough to travel quite a lot and he's got so many pictures from all over the world like amazing landscapes all this beautiful stuff just sitting on his hard drive doing nothing and then like the friends were like oh yeah I've got the print whatever but can't get it framed it's like a nightmare Mm. so I was like all right there's you know there could be something in this and so I looked and I found somebody who could print and frame them and send it framed printed framed ready to hang so we just sent them out to all of our friends as kind of gifts to cheer everyone up and that's why we called it the happiness collective I love that (laughs) I mean it's funny isn't it how moments happen in life where suddenly like these businesses are sort of like born from it's like you never would have thought of that you know before the pandemic and so what's is it sort of like an online thing so people can go on and is it is there a website so people can go on choose prints they want and you just deal with the rest basically and it's heavily curated because when I was doing the research before we started I thought like if I want to buy art where the hell do I go now I'm not going to be able to afford a Damien Hurst or like a big photographer right Mm. now and I don't want an Ikea print or a (laughs) you know urban outfits or something like that because everyone's got that so there was like live life laugh laugh or whatever (laughs) no offense to anyone who has that print on their wall but I'm just saying you should live life and laugh and love just for the record um but you shouldn't have it on your walls Uh, love the honesty I love it (laughs) uh so yeah like um yeah we just were like this is a uh you know a thing that we can offer let's see how we can do it something fine art he's a professional photographer they're amazing photos and like curated so that you're not going on like all these places and you're looking through 30,000 pictures like that's too much choice Mm. so we tried to create it curate it and narrow it down like as much as possible and then we're going to add as we go along love that absolutely love and they're it. all limited edition there we go love something that's a little bit limited edition so just back to the food again um obviously you moved back t- back from la talk to me about the food in la because that's a whole scene yeah i miss it a lot yeah <laughs> that's that's probably i miss two things the food particularly the sushi mm-hmm. and a washer dryer what do you mean? As in, like, where I can wash my clothes and then immediately dry them at, like, mad speeds. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, you, I, I don't understand. So, what, like, it's a one, like, like a combo? No, 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 there was two. Right. Like, every house. Well, not every house. Oh, I see. But you'd get a washer-dryer. Right, and, yep. you know, you put it, you wash it. Yeah. And then you take it out. You put so, it so not not this shitty one that I have here. Have you where got a combo. Yeah, it's yeah, the it's worst thing that ever work. happened to me. Yeah, terrible. Exactly. Yeah, but the good news is it's better for the environment that I now hang my clothes. Yeah, the bad news is hanging clothes everywhere in the front room. <laughs> 
before you came, I may have had clothes hanging everywhere. <laughs> and if you look in my second bedroom, all the there towels are out. Yeah, nightmare, nightmare. <laughs> so I deeply miss the washer dryer. Yeah. But um, I'm saving the planet, so I'm quite smug about that. Exactly. <laughs> but back to the food. Talk to me about LA. Yeah. I mean, it's a serious, serious... Serious. Over there. It's serious yeah. over there. The thing is, is that you have to know the good spots because you've got all the big great restaurants yeah. that everyone knows about and then getting in is a nightmare yeah. and, blah, blah, blah. and then you've got the little kind of um what are they called strip mall yeah. kind of things where there are some decent ones like there's an amazing french one that seats about 10 people incredible food um but good luck getting a table yeah there's not that many in between like you know in london you've got so many like in between you can find so like, a good turkish yeah. place yeah things like that there's not that many in between and if there are you really have to find them so, but the level in general of that high-end stuff mm. is unreal. Yeah, it's madness. Where were some of your favourite places to go? Oof. Well, um, Rosalind's was this Peruvian place that started off like as a food truck. Then it had another restaurant and we kind of followed it. Then it opened on in West Hollywood. And again, I never used to like fish. I'm not a big, like, you know, I eat kind of, I try to eat mostly plant-based, but yeah. I'll do it as a treat. And they have a seafood paella, which I would never in my wildest dreams imagine I would eat. And it is so banging. Oh, like, it's you're making me so unreal. Hungry. So there's that sushi I used to love. Um, spicy um, tuna, crispy rice is oh, my, stop. like, everything. And where would you go for sushi? Um, mainly izakaya on third. Okay. Um, cause that was just easy. I didn't like any of the like, Nobu's obviously nice, but yeah, it's long and it's not like, m- like that much better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and also like, don't really want to drop 150. No, that, exactly. uh, 150,000. Yeah. Some, <laughs> sometimes feels like yeah, that. Exactly. 150 quid just to eat, you know, a couple rolls or whatever. Exactly. What about Mexican food in so LA? So the best Mexican food was probably this place called Baramar. Okay. Um, but again, like I like Mexican American food, like I said, but there wasn't that many spots that I was like, there was like Guisado's tacos, but as I kind of got out of meat, Mm. there wasn't that much option. Um, but then they had like a vegan place called Gracias Madre. I've been there. Yeah. Oh, they do an amazing dish with, um, cauliflower. I don't know if they fried it or something and it's got this sauce on it. I just remember it and I actually can still taste it when I think about it. Fabulous but place. But next time you go, there's a place. It's like a little, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I really can't remember what I'll tell you later. But it's like, a, they've got a few of them. It's called like Taco Madre or something okay. like that. Um, and it's a bit of a chain, but they do this avocado taco, which is like, all right, I'm good for tacos now. <laughs> like it's so good see I like all these like little hidden-y type places as well like they're just always so good um how do you find American supermarkets or were you sort of like doing like a Whole Foods thing because I really struggle with American supermarkets um all right so my husband tells everyone this and I don't care I'll say it loud and proud (laughs) one of the biggest reasons for moving back was Waitrose or at least English supermarkets. Oh my god! I That's couldn't... why you were going on about your matzo balls from Waitrose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't deal with it. It's like you have to get in the car anyway, and then I have to go to like Trader Joe's for this, yeah. and I have to go to Whole Foods for that, and it's just like 
It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And also, as with the restaurants, even like anywhere you go is extortionate. Do you know what? This is, I think this is one of the biggest reasons why I haven't fully made a jump to move to America, particularly LA. It's very expensive to live there. It's insane. Like it's another level. Yeah. Like I need to be moving there when I'm like at the top <laughs> of my game. Like I just can't. Well, that's what I mean. That's it's, why it's a lot. It's a lot. The pandemic made us like yeah. look at our finances because we weren't working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being like, um, going, what? <laughs> we spent how much? Yeah. That's ridiculous. And then like obviously where it made you evaluate life, like every aspect of mm. your life anyway, and existential crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Been, been through that yeah so like <laughs> then we were like well, why are we spending that yeah. on that and that on that because that's just not it's just uncouth if anything yeah 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 it's just not cool no but also just back to these supermarkets you're right like if you don't have like a whole foods near you or like i mean trader i like trader joe's but like these their general supermarkets are just full of shit like, I, I, I don't know what happens to me, let alone the fact that when I go to America and I breathe the air, I put on, like, 10 <laughs> kilos. It's the weirdest thing that happens to me. Yeah. But whatever they put in their food... It's not good. It's not, not good. good. You can't get a loaf of bread. No, exactly. I, I had to go to the farmer's market every week yeah. to get bread, and I was paying $7 for a baguette. And I'm like, no. in Waitrose, just saying, <laughs> 30p. So... <laughs> Coming back, I was literally like living my best life in the if supermarket. If the Waitrose PR is listening to this, Remy wants a deal, just to let you know. She's your biggest fan. I really am. I, was I mean, like, me too as well. If you just want to add me to that, it's fine. I was literally like, my first trip to Waitrose when I got back was such a big deal. Like, mum, can you take care of the kids? I love and I was it. like, like literally like, down every aisle. Down the aisle, like the supermarket sweep, yeah. like just chucking everything in. I remember this is so like this is so midlife, but I, like I saw some tomato paste, yeah, right? and it was fifty p, and I nearly lost my fucking mind because I was like fifty p when I've been paying like at least four dollars for tomato paste. What? Yeah, like little things like that. And now, and it's not even the supermarkets. Now we've got a local shop um, that's on the corner of our road that. I'm literally obsessed oh, with. So something happened during the pandemic with these amazing corner shops. Yeah. Like, because they thrived. Because at times, obviously, you, we couldn't get into our local supermarkets. Yeah. I was not going to queue for two hours. Like, give yeah. me a break. Because the production chain in, like, news agents and corner shops is sometimes usually direct right. from producers. That's why a lot of news agents were starting to sell fresh fruit and veg because they were actually coming from the farms. Ah. But the, some of these corner shops, I'm sure yours is just as good as mine. They're, like, I can actually do my whole food shop Seriously. at my local it's news agent. It's slightly more expensive, but it's worth it. Fucking because I will say, Waitrose, if you're listening... <laughs> I am getting a bit sick of these empty shelves. Now, I know it's not your fault, but it's annoying now I have to drive to Waitrose (laughs) with no petrol and then coming back without certain things. (laughs) So, but the local supermarket sells this sourdough that's from like 100% vegan sourdough that's from like a local Turkish bakery. And it's better, and it's like a pound or something. And it's better bread than any bread I ever had in LA. And also you're supporting locally, which exactly. is always nice. Exactly. When you do find yourself out of the house, where are some of your favourite restaurants in London? Well, I'm rediscovering London yeah, at the moment. Fair. Okay. I haven't um I haven't ventured out that much in London. Um but the Western Laundry menu premier vibe yeah. is pretty good. Okay. But again, it like you have to like look what the menu is on the day and it needs to be, you know, mm-hmm. not pork bellied. <laughs> 
beef shinned <laughs> octopus eye. Yeah. And when it's not that, I love octopus it. Octopus eye. Um, and there's an amazing, I don't want to say it because I don't want it being packed. Like, um, I know Harry Styles, obviously, but Harry Styles put a, a, in his so- one of his songs, Beachwood Cafe, which is this really cute cafe in LA that had really lovely food and was like a nice neighborhood vibe at the top of Beachwood. And everyone now just Now you flops. can't get a table. Ah. So obviously that's not going to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a Japanese like comfort food place in Highbury called Kisawa. Okay. And I mean, I need somewhere like that. So I'm probably going to be going. You, you can come. Okay, fine. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's so incredible. Talk, so what do you mean by Japanese comfort food? So not really the sushi it's stuff. It's not just... sushi. There's no fish or anything. Okay. There's quite a lot of vegan options. Oh but there's like a Japanese curry. They have like um, amazing like breakfast, which is like a Japanese breakfast, but it's like an egg, but with like salad and noodles oh, and I things like that. I love all that stuff. The coffee is incredible. And the woman who owns it is like the nicest person on I the love earth. That. And it's chic and it's yeah. it's just an amazing yeah. and I love it there. Um so we go there and um there's also a little place called Lizzie's on the Green, which is in Newington Green. I've heard of this place. Apparently it's amazing. It's just this it's outdoor, it's just yeah. this little coffee shop, great coffee, and they do this thing that is a mushroom and cheese bap. Now, wow. when I first saw it with Gherkins, I was like, no. It is fantastic. Really? Yeah, fantastic. Listen, Remy's <laughs> in the know. <laughs> and actually, around Newington Green in general, there's a lot of good restaurants. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like the place to um, to be around there, isn't it? Yeah. Right. I finish my conversations with a few quickfire questions. Right. Are you ready? Yeah. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Have I eaten... Oh, reindeer. I've had reindeer as well. I felt really guilty. Yeah, me too. How did you find it? In me. Sweden. Yeah, that's where I ate reindeer as well. It must be a thing. <laughs> yeah, it is a yeah. thing. It's like a. It's like their, their standard meat there. Yeah, I didn't love it. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I, mine was more just the guilt factor. What's your most memorable meal? I do love Sunday roasts. And a good Sunday roast. And I love a long lunch. Yes. So, like, if you have a Sunday with all your friends in the pub and you're there for hours. And it's probably is why there I don't a, remember that. Is there, yeah, there we go. Is there a particular place that you like a good roast or is it at home? These days, it's getting at home because mm. the pubs just aren't serving it as good as they used to. I agree. Um, but, yeah, now I've got dining chairs. It's t- taken me, like, three months to find dining chairs. Oh, so I'll have, yeah. the, I'll have all the pals over. I know that feeling. My favourite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your favourite flavour of crisps and why? Cheese and onion. Because they're good. And walkers only. And walkers. Yeah. So we're talking like proper, just like no messing about. No, if I'm getting a packet of crisps, yeah. occasionally it'll be a ready sorted. Okay. Occasionally. Yeah. But it'll be a walkers cheese and onion. And if I'm feeling fancy, it'll be like a kettle chip, yeah. salt and vinegar. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm more of a salt and vinegar girl, but... I do love, I like the consistency, the thinness of a Walker's. Mm. I do find kettle chips sometimes quite offensive, like not offensive, like a bit aggressive in the mouth. <laughs> They're just a bit thick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, I've like, I've like cut the roof of my mouth before. That's what I've I'm done like, that on a Walker's though. Really? Oh, it's probably just because I'm greedy. So I'm just like shoveling them all in. Sorry, just quickly, because I cannot believe I haven't mentioned this, but you haven't asked me. Did you ask me what my favorite food is? 
I haven't. Okay. And but but we can okay. because like, this might be this might be the next question. Okay, good. But it's just re re questioned <laughs> in a different way. Okay. <laughs> what food sums up happiness for you? Chips. Okay, right. But the big question is: Are we talking like a French fry, or are we talking like a thick cut chip? All right. So obviously, if you're having fish and chips then it has to be thick cut. Yes. But all other times, it's a French fry that's crispy on the outside, soft on the inside. Okay. Belanger in yes. uh, Islington yeah. does a really good French fry. Okay. Um, the There was a couple of places, Cafe Stella I didn't mention in LA, which is our favorite like neighborhood joint, does the best chips, uh, fries, whatever you want to call them over there. But I get really annoyed if fries are not good because there's no excuse. I couldn't agree more. The best chips ever were at Cafe Midi and that shut down and that was another reason to move back, <laughs> to be honest. And I sit here saying I'm a foodie and I do love good food, love a flavour, but give me chips, beans and cheese any day of the week. She's such a true Londoner, <laughs> I love it. I also love the fact that, let's be honest, you basically left LA because all of the food situations were pissing you pretty off. Pretty much, pretty much. I didn't want to say, but yeah. No, no, you're my kind of girl, that's, that's fine. We to. finally got there. <laughs> it does boil down to that. I mean, I'm the same as you. I, fish and chips, I think, is the only time that I would accept a thick cut chip because it just, you can't do it yeah. any other way. But for me, a French fry is just the best and if you are going to try and sell me a soggy chip like what are you doing yeah it's really funny you said it like there's no excuse i was interviewing a chef recently and he said that when he hires his like chefs that work under him in the restaurant and they're like oh i can make this and i can make this fancy dish he was like no 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 no. i want you to make me a really simple tomato sauce and spaghetti it was an italian restaurant right he said because if you can't make the basic staple then there's no place for you in my kitchen. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with him me, more. Me too. Because like, spaghetti is like also probably the second best yeah. meal. And <laughs> yeah. that, like, if you go to Italy and you say, oh, can I have a plate of spaghetti? It's the best plate of spaghetti Absolutely. you've ever had. So when you do go to a restaurant, you're like, mm, I don't want to eat yeah. much today. I'll have a pasta and it's crap. It's No, it's just no excuse. Like, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't own a restaurant, quite frankly. Agreed. Live to eat or eat to live? <laughs> I mean... Eat to live sometimes when I'm in a rush and I'm starving and I just have to whatever. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, I like to have delicious food on a daily basis. So therefore she is live to eat. <laughs> and that is the kind of girl I want on my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Remy, thank you so, so much thank for you. joining me. Thank you coming for coming to West London to join me. You can follow Remy on social media at Remcam. Mm-hmm. Until next time, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time. Bye.